Hey, what's going on guys? It's Michael from The Honest Youth Pastor, the channel that exists to help believers use biblical discernment in all aspects of life. And today we are going to be doing that through looking at a sermon review, a sermon given by someone named Chad Bird. Chad Bird, uh, this sermon in particular that we're looking at today was preached on May 20th, 2022. Now, somebody has suggested Chad a while back on, uh, on TikTok. Uh, and I went on there and a lot of his TikToks are very interesting. So are his Instagram. I'll include those in the description below. And I'll also include the this sermon here without my commentary link to that in the sermon below as well. So that if you want to watch that without my commentary, you can do that. Now, if you are new here, you may be saying, what is a sermon review? Well, a sermon review is where we walk through an entire sermon and we look at three primary things. One, do they read the text? Two, do they use culture and context to sort of teach that text and apply it to our lives as believers? And three, do they mention Jesus and the gospel? Those are the three things that we talk about. You may say, well, those aren't like super in-depth and you're right, but sometimes we don't even get to those three. So today we're going to be looking at that as we walk through this sermon. Uh, apparently it was given at a uh, Here We Still Stand regional event in Northwest Arkansas. Uh, a conference for sinner and saints. I'm not exactly sure who put this on. And to be honest with you, I don't think Chad Bird is actually a pastor at a church specifically. Uh, he seems to be an author, a podcaster, a speaker, but as far as pastor somewhere, uh, not so much. But he's also an Old Testament scholar. So that should make this very interesting in regards to uh, looking at this topic, because what I found is most people that know their Old Testament well are usually pretty good speakers just because of the in-depth uh, all of the knowledge that it takes to really understand that culture and that context, uh, usually it's really, really good. Now, full disclosure, in case you haven't figured it out yet, I have not watched this sermon. It's about 33 minutes long. We're going to walk through the entire thing. Hopefully, uh, that I won't keep you too long as we do that, but I uh, trust that this will be good. If this sermon is anything like the TikToks and the Reels, um, it should be very beneficial for us, or at least I trust it will be. Um, hopefully I am correct in that. So let's get going, kind of looking at it um, and exploring those three questions uh, that we that we hold all sermons to. Let's hop right into it. Oh, what thing? Oh my goodness. Okay, I know I got your expectations because we started going into it. But if you like what we do here and you want to support, there are links in the description below. You can like, share, whatever you want to do there. But then there's also links as far as purchasing our resources or uh, also... Maybe becoming a patron if you enjoy that. All of our patrons actually get this sermon review three days before everybody else uh, in audio and video form. So they, they, they got a little bit of a heads up on everybody on that. But okay, there, there, enough self-advertising. Now let's get into the sermon review. Thanks, buddy. You may recall an incident that happened back in December of 2008. It was during a press conference in Baghdad. President George W. Bush was up on the, the podium up front, and all of a sudden, not one, but two shoes come flying through the air directly at his head. You remember this? Yes. Now, the president, to his credit, he, he ducked and he, he dodged both of, both of these shoes. Now, the Iraqi reporter who threw the shoes knew what he was doing. He didn't throw a book. He didn't throw a chair. He threw shoes. Why? Well, because unlike in our American culture, we have, we have a fascination with shoes. In the Middle Eastern culture, to, of course, hit somebody with your shoe or throw a shoe, or even to show the bottom of your shoe to someone, 
is a grave insult or an attack upon their person. Now, you might be asking yourself, I love shoes, so what's the big deal about shoes? Well, look down at those things on your feet. I mean, we call them shoes, but you could also call them the sponge of all things unclean. I mean, you walk down the sidewalk or the city street out there, and they're going to sponge up particles of dirt and dead insects and other things. You walk into a restaurant, and your shoes are going to pick up the cleaning products on the floor and food particles. You go into a public restroom, and they're going to pick up whatever those things are in restrooms. So you might think of your shoes as kind of a dirty documentary of all the places that you've been. And that helps us to understand why, if you read Leviticus, as you all do every day, and you read about the vestments of the priest, you'll notice that everything from their headwear to their underwear is included, but there's not a single syllable about their shoes. It also explains why the writers writing in the Talmud when they described what was happening at the temple, said that there was employed there the ancient version of a podiatrist. What? So this is really interesting off the bat, right? So we've talked about, if you've watched any of the sermon reviews before, we've talked about this before in regards to like how people intro a sermon, like with a story uh, or introducing themselves perhaps or reading the scripture and then getting right into it. Those are typically the three that are going. Chad here is doing something very interesting, something that I might try to actually adapt into my own preaching style, which is uh, introing it into uh, a cultural event that most people are very um, aware of. And then while doing that, then very, in a very, like you just miss it if you're not even paying attention, then takes us right into Old Testament, uh, like just culture. I mean, right now we've went from George Bush dodging two shoes into, hey, this is why the Levitical uh, priests are described as what they need to wear and why they need to wear it. Like this is this is an interesting thing, and it'll be actually more interesting to see where he takes that. Right? Did we just get taken into Leviticus, which is typically uh, a book that most people don't read for fun? Right? Did we just get taken into that in such an easy way that we're actually interested in what's about to be said because of the way he's presenting it? Uh, I talked to somebody the other day that that teaches youth, and um, that was one of the things that we were talking about. Like, youth want to listen to things that are interesting, so. If you are knowledgeable of the Bible, if you're, if you're able to teach it well, right, no matter how boring it is, if you teach it well, they are going to be interested. And then questions will come from that. So the whole key isn't to try to like spice it up and make it interesting. The Bible is interesting. What you really need to do as a teacher is really what Chad seems to be doing here, which is like just pulling out the interesting parts of it and, and saying, hey, you know this, like, look at this. Like, it's already interesting. Just showing how it's interesting is really the key here. So, um, a great example of intro, right? Of saying cultural event, look at this biblical tie-in, and then he's just he's just moving us down the road two minutes in, and now we're in Leviticus, and we don't we didn't even know that's where we were going. Why? Because when the priest showed up to work, they took off their shoes. Because the place where they ministered was holy ground. No shoes around the altar, no shoes in the holy place, certainly no shoes in the holy of holies. And of course, this was but an imitation of what happened to Moses at the burning bush and Joshua outside the city of Jericho, where the messenger of Yahweh showed up and said, 
don't come any closer. Take off your shoes because the place where you're standing is holy ground. Now, why all this talk about shoes? Well, it's to prepare us for thinking in a new and an ancient way about where we take our shoes off. A new and ancient way of thinking about holiness and sanctification. Now, it's new because, granted, most Christians today, when they think about sanctification, think in terms of good works, fruit of the Spirit, holiness of life and conduct. But it's ancient because, as I will argue, the lion's share of Bible talk about sanctification and holiness is not really about what you do or what you don't do, but about where you take your shoes off. The lion's share of talk about holiness is about being in the presence of the holy, holy, holy God who does what? Holies sanctifies us. So, so he's moved in. I want to, uh, okay. I, I, first time I've heard of this Chad Burke guy, but dude's an, a, clearly a good speaker in regards. To, uh, well, let's put it this way. Clearly a good speaker in regards to how he's presenting this message moved us from George Bush into Levitical customs of dress into uh, you have a concept of what sanctification is, but the lion's share, he says, of sanctification is in the Old Testament. Let me demonstrate that based upon uh, what we see in the Old Testament. I mean, we, we have moved in the first four minutes into um, the topics of sanctification. Not only has he really hooked you into Leviticus, but he's also hooked you into being interested in what he's talking about by bringing up a topic that most of us have heard about in church, but now he's expanding on it. Now he's like, no, what you think isn't what you really think. Let's get into it. So let's, let's see where he goes with it. So you might put it this way. Sanctification is more about your zip code, where you are, than about a code of conduct. Now to get us to kind of thinking about this, there's a couple of lines from Psalm 24 that are gonna guide us through this discussion. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord and who may stand in his holy place? In other words, who may go up to this holy spot on the mountain and who may take off his shoes and stand in the presence of the holy God? Let's work our way toward an answer by hitchhiking our way through the Old Testament in the shotgun seat of patriarchs and prophets. Now, the first thing I want to point out is that in the ancient Near East, there were a lot of places that were thought to be holy by nature. I mean, they just were holy, holy groves and holy rivers and holy mountains. Now, in the Bible, that ain't going to fly. If a place is holy, it's only because God has theophanied himself there. He has appeared there. And because God is there, that place is holy. And that also means that if God leaves, it's automatically unsanctified. No God there, no holiness there. It's like when God leaves, all the sanctity is vacuumed up and packaged and taken with him. No exceptions. So in the Bible, the first place that is made holy because the holy God is there is, of course, Eden, which Ezekiel calls the holy mountain of God. And the first man and woman who are able to ascend the hill of the Lord 
and to stand in his holy place are, of course, our mom and dad, priest Adam and priest Eve. This was the place, by the way, where God walked about among them. In fact, in Hebrew, and I know you were all waiting for the Hebrew. In Hebrew, when, you, when God walks about, that same Hebrew form is used to describe how he walked in the garden, and then how he walked in the camp of Israel in the tabernacle, and then how he walked all those years waiting for the temple to come. So Adam and Eve were there, but of course, so one thing I do want to break in on real quick, because this seems like one of those sermons where I'm not going to probably need, need to break in and say a ton because of just, just how good this is. The, one point here is I think this is why it's incredibly important to, for, for us as pastors, those of us that teach um, anything, right, that we're aware of the context and the culture of scripture, like that we're that we understand it because what often happens is you are either going to be like, okay, let me say it this way. Maybe that we understand scripture and understand the, the weight of what it, what it talks about. Let me explain that. Oftentimes I have ran into two people on two different extremes. So either one, they aren't educated very much at all. And therefore they, they, they eisegete a lot into the scripture as far as interpretation. And this happens with, um, a lot of, a lot of pastors, maybe, um, I, maybe just because of where I'm at, but a lot of rule pastors do this in regards to, you know, they're educated at a very minor level, uh, to, to ordination status. And then they're put in a church and their heart is in the right place. They just haven't been educated to a point to where they could really understand and teach, um, old Testament customs, right? Um, everything Chad has said up to this point, for example, they may have never heard before, or if they have, it's like in bits and pieces. Then you have pastors that are so overeducated that the Bible is more of a textbook than it is, you know, Holy scripture. And therefore, everything, you know, you can take or throw away whatever you want based upon that. I don't know Chad, clearly. But what I'm getting from Chad here is this very good middle shot spot that we're really looking for. Is this understanding that there is a rich history here. There's an understanding to be had in Scripture. And you respect it. There's not this under-emphasis on what's happening. It's an understanding that you have to know what the biblical text is saying and how it's saying it, but there's respect for it when it does say what it says. Hopefully that makes sense. As pastors, that's really where we need to shoot for, I think, is being educated enough to be able to actually communicate what's going on in scripture, like the overarching uh, story of what's happening so you can understand the intricacies of what's going on so you can teach those intricacies so that the Bible is more alive, more understandable to people, so they can live it out better, um, but not be so so overeducated that it becomes a a textbook like any other book, right? Anyway, hopefully, hopefully that's clear. I think that's what we're shooting for because as pastors, if we shoot for that, I think where we're going to land is a place that we're going to be able to teach our people um, the scriptures in a way that. They, they, they understand who God is and they glory in who he is and they love him for who he is because they understand how all of these pieces go together into a perfect puzzle. And they're not trying to shove a piece into the wrong spot because um, it, it goes somewhere else. And if they understand where that piece goes, the whole puzzle comes together and it looks so much uh, 
It's so much more beautiful. Let's keep going. Pretty soon, as Scott talked about this morning, they were booted out. They had to be de-Edenized, and when they were de-Edenized, they were also de-templed. No longer could they ascend the hill of the Lord or stand in his holy place. Now, what's fascinating is what happens after that. All of human history, from Genesis 3 onward, is basically sinful humanity's attempts through whether it's political movements or social movements or moral movements or humanly devised religions, whatever it might be, humanity is attempting to create their own little Edens divorced from God. In other words, to have a holy place without the holy God being there. And the greatest example of this is Babel. Now, when I was a kid growing up in Sunday school, my, my impression of the Tower of Babel story is basically this. You had a whole bunch of bad people who were too big for their britches, who decided they'd build the world's first skyscraper until, of course, God pulled the plug on the whole project by mixing up their languages. Well, that's not quite it. So this tower was probably what in the ancient world was called a ziggurat. And a ziggurat is basically a man-made mountain. They're scattered still throughout Mesopotamia. And there'd be a stairway that went from earth to heaven. Heaven was the very top, the, the peak of this mountain where there would be a shrine. So that's probably what they were going about. That's what they were trying to do. And why'd they want to do it? Two reasons. They didn't want to be scattered. They want to have unity. And they wanted to make a name for themselves. Now, in ancient parlance, to, to make a name for yourself basically meant that you were achieving some sort of immortality. Kind of the same thing happens today when people will build a monument or a big building and they'll put their name on it. It's their way of achieving some sort of immortality. Well, of course, this was never going to work, but this was, the, this was their attempt at a replacement of Mount Eden. Except so... I hopefully you see what's going on here. Like there's nothing to really critique at all because it's more of like, Hey, look how this is done. Well, right? So what he's doing, he's tying in all of these biblical stories. So we don't necessarily have a text per se that he's exegetically working through. And I think the reason for that is because this is a conference. Uh, so he's really going on the overarching idea of sanctification. He's starting in explaining sanctification, walking through where what he's walking through now. I mean, we're only eight minutes in. He's got 33. So this is him walking us through, it seems like, like what sanctification is, starting all the way back and explaining uh, holiness and God leaving or coming and all of that. Um, but what I want you to, hopefully what you've seen is what we already, what I previously talked about the last time I paused it. Telling us a story we already know, especially if you've been in church for very long at all, you know this story about the Tower of Babel. This isn't anything new to you. But he's doing it in such a way that it's it's interesting. He's got you hooked already because he says, you know the story, but you got it wrong. And then he's walking you through historically what this would have been so that you have a better understanding of what the scriptures are actually talking about. And you're 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 hooked in. You're 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 interested in what he's saying. And this is one of the key things about one being a very engaging speaker. Notice he's not doing what you typically see people do, being really loud, moving around a lot. He just knows what he's talking about, and he's applying that knowledge. 
So let's keep going. Except this was devised by themselves, dreamt up by themselves, made by themselves. They were striving for sanctification, we might say, apart from the holy gifting of God. And it was doomed to fail. These fallen Adams and Eves could not ascend their own man-made mountain. They couldn't stand in their own man-made pseudo-holy place because God instituted the anti-Pentecost. The unity they wanted became disunity through their disunification of speech. And they wanted to make a name for themselves. And they did. It's just not the one they wanted. <laughs> the place was named Babel, which is a pun off the Hebrew verb balal, which means to confuse. And you know in Revelation, Babylon becomes a symbol of what? Babylon is the icon of everything which is unholy, unsanctified. It's whore Babylon, which tries to seduce the world into its own version of uncleanness. So you have Adam and Eve booted out of the temple of Eden. You have the descendants of Adam and Eve trying to create their own little Eden, which is doomed to fail. But here's where things get very interesting. You see, the very things that these tower builders wanted, God was ready and willing to give. But in his own time, and in his own way, and to his own man. That man was Jacob. And that time was generations later. And the way that God did this is through that nighttime vision that God gave to Jacob of the ladder or the stairway extending from earth to heaven. So you remember, he sees this sulam in Hebrew, this set of steps that goes from where? The earth to heaven, the very place that the tower builders wanted to reach. And there's, of course, the angels of God ascending and descending upon their stairway. The only thing, and I feel like this is like a minimal thing, and I almost feel like I'm saying this just to have something to say, but one of the things I think would be very helpful to have here in regards to, he's clearly walking us through the whole Old Testament and, and showing us like this progression of God with his people, this, uh, this, this sort of everyone trying to get back to Eden, everyone trying to have this holy place. Like there's this, there's this clear theme that he's showing us as he walks us through scripture. The only thing that I would add, and it's one of the things that I clearly am really bad at. One of the things I mentioned in almost every sermon that I think we all need to get better at and far away for me to tell Chad, Chad this because he clearly knows his stuff. And this may very well be an issue of the fact that he's at a conference and there's this assumption that people know sort of where these verses are and where this text is. But I think something that would be very helpful is just like giving the references as we've talked about before and saying, hey, we're talking about, for example, Jacob. So you can find that here. Or we're talking about the Tower of Babel and you can find that here. Or we're talking about the Garden of Eden. You can find that here. And give people sort of these, these scriptural indicators so that they can kind of, if they are taking notes, they can take them and then go back through and sort of replay this, this talk, this sermon in their head to sort of say, oh yeah, this is where this, this is what. So if they're going to explain it to somebody else, they sort of see this progression of thought that Chad is now giving the people that he's talking to. Um, that would be the only thing I would add here because I think that would be incredibly helpful for somebody that maybe, um, 
I don't know who this conference is directed toward, to be quite honest with you, but if it's somebody that's maybe not been a Christian very long, they can sort of have these references so that they can mark them down for, for later to go back to. But anyway, that just being said, like I said, I think that's so minimal compared to what we're looking at, but I think it is something that's helpful to people uh, if they are taking notes, if they are wanting to go back later, if they are wanting to explain this to somebody else, um, that would give them at least key markers to do that. Let's keep going though. And there's Yahweh who's appearing and he's speaking to Jacob. In this vision, God gives to Jacob the very things that the tower builders were selfishly and sinfully grasping for themselves. They wanted a ziggurat with a stairway from earth to heaven. That's exactly what God shows to Jacob in this vision. They wanted unity. And God says to Jacob, your descendants will be all over the place, but they're going to be unified, made one in the blessing that is going to come from your seed, the Messiah. And, now this is fascinating, they wanted to make a name for themselves. Well, you remember what Jacob says when he wakes up? He says, he says how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Well, Babylon actually means the gate of God. And so Jacob is saying, this is the gate of God. This is the doorway to heaven. What God has just shown to me. See, one of the things that I think we miss a lot is what you probably just picked up there is that there is this overarching connective story throughout the scriptures. And we often miss that because, I mean, so to go back to a lot of the previous reviews, a lot of things I've said before, typically we, um, we will uh, pick a, a section of scripture and preach through that, which I would argue is the correct thing to do. But one of the things we fail to do, one of the things I know I fail to do that we've definitely seen uh, failure to do in, in a good portion of these sermon reviews is to reference back to and really illuminate that section of scripture based upon where it is in the overarching uh, narrative of scripture that that Chad here is actually pointing out, right? So these, all of these things are connected. All of these things are playing off of one another. They're all within a storyline together. But oftentimes we forget that and we'll pull that out and make maybe a text say something that it doesn't say or miscommunicate what it actually says because we're not referring back to the overarching storyline that, that is that is being painted through Scripture. The chat here is really illuminating if nothing else really within this, this particular talk and sermon other than sanctification, but he is demonstrating something we need to be aware about, which is that there is this, there is this connectivity throughout the Old Testament and New Testament that we, that we often miss if we're not really looking at it, if we're not doing the things that Chad is really doing here, which is understanding that these are all connected events. Let's get back. Now, what's happening in this vision that God gives to Jacob is God is basically saying, look, I know that humanity has gone and screwed up everything. They have spread their, their cancerous unholiness everywhere. But I'm going to make sure there's one spot in creation where I can be with my people, where there's going to be cherubim and seraphim, where I can live among them and angels can be there and my people can appear before me and I can make them the way that I want them to be. I can sanctify them. Now, God is going to do this, but it's not in Jacob's lifetime. It's not in the lifetime of his children or grandchildren. God is going to fulfill what he promised to Jacob 
at the foot of Mount Sinai when he gives the instructions to Moses about how to build the tabernacle. Let's make sure that we all understand what the tabernacle was all about. It functioned for several different reasons. I mean, it was the place, of course, where sacrifices were brought. The tabernacle was the place where the psalms were sung. It's where the lepers could appear to be pronounced clean. It's where the priests would pray for the nation of Israel inside the holy place. The tabernacle served all those purposes. But if there's one overarching purpose of the tabernacle, one that kind of pulls into its orbit all these other reasons, it's this. This tent was the one place in the world where the holy God dwelt on earth in order that he might make his people as he is, holy. So here's one of the things that I think is really important, and this is going to be sort of an oddity as far as sermon reviews go. So the whole purpose of these sermon reviews is to look at sermons and say, hey, what are the good, what are the bad here, what can we learn from this? There have been a couple sermon reviews that uh, the sermons that we're looking at are so good, like they're so helpful, they're so useful, that I can't add anything to them. There's actually been, it's really funny, a couple of messages in which people are like, hey, thanks for introducing me to this, this person or this, this organization. I didn't make it all the way through the sermon review because I just wanted to watch the sermon itself. Because again, there, there's certain sermons to review, and I would argue that this one from Chad Bird is one of these types of sermons that are that is so good, so well done, so helpful, that there's not a whole lot I can add to this. Like It's one of those things where I'm just like, hey, just like you should probably just go watch this sermon. So let me let me sort of tie up this really quick because that's what we're going to do here. Like I get we're only 30 minutes into the sermon review. We're only 15 minutes into this actual sermon that Chad is giving and there's like half the time left. I wouldn't normally do this, but I think this is something that like I don't know if there's going to be a whole lot I can add to this particularly because Chad is clearly knowledgeable of what he's talking about. He's clearly referring back to the text, connecting everything that's going on. So if we're going to look at the three things we typically look at, one being, is Chad reading the scripture? Well, in this particular sermon, Chad isn't reading the scripture, but he is going through the overarching storyline of scripture, connecting them. So the whole premise is there. He's referring back to scripture Everything he's saying is based on scripture. So I'm going to give him, of course, he's reading scripture here. That's all he's talking about. Secondly, is he talking about culture and context and explaining it through the culture and context and application? A hundred percent. This whole thing is about culture and context and understanding why people are doing what they're doing and what it's referring to. And though we haven't got to the end of the sermon here yet, he's talking about sanctification. And I would, I would, I would, I would go out on a limb here and be very confident that he's going to talk about Jesus and the gospel. I, I could be wrong because we're not to the end, but I'm going to say he gets there because there's this entire line of thought leading up to who Jesus is and what Jesus does on the cross and his life, death and resurrection. So I'm going to, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that Chad definitely probably gets to this point. Now, again, I wouldn't normally do this, but I don't think there's a whole lot I'm going to be able to add to this, this talk. In fact, I think it's actually less beneficial for you to finish this review than it is just to click on the link below and go check out the, the video by itself. Uh, just watch the whole thing. In fact, where we're stopping right now is 13 minutes and 46 seconds. If that's where you want to start up again, go for it. If you want to start all the way back at the beginning so you cut out the points where I was talking so you can pay attention better, do that. But I would encourage you uh, just sort of to end this video. I would encourage you if you're a pastor, like 
uh, kind of learn this style. I think it's very helpful. See how you can adapt it, integrate it, uh, because Chad is knowledgeable and then he's just conveying that knowledge in an interesting way, right? And if you are somebody that, that obviously isn't a pastor, you just go to church, you sit in the pew, uh, maybe you maybe you teach kids or maybe you're just teaching your own kids or you're just trying to learn the Bible, these are the type of speakers, pastors that we're really looking for. Now, your local pastor may not be Chad, okay? Don't hold your local pastor up to that. But these are the sort of things that we're looking for in sermons. What are the really interesting things? What are the things we can take note of and look back toward? What are the things that maybe we can follow up with our pastors and ask questions about, about maybe some of the things they've said about the Old Testament or new and really dig in deeper, right? Your pastor isn't going to be Chad. And if you are a pastor, you're not going to be Chad. But there's certain things we can learn from this that I think are incredibly helpful. So that being said, I think this is probably the only time I, I, I've done this. But I would say that, like, just go watch the link in the description below. It's going to be more helpful than me talking through this. I don't know who Chad is, but from just this section, I, I, I can be pretty confident, I think, that um, that he seems like a pretty solid dude. So whoever, I forget who suggested Chad, but good on you for that. Um, so let's, let's end it this way, guys. Sorry for a short review, but I just don't, I like, I just feel like me continually interrupting this isn't going to be helpful for you. So if you want a sermon review, there's going to be a link in the description below, as well as if you go to the playlist where this video is located, you can go watch a bunch of other ones that we've done in the past that I think are going to be probably more helpful for you to watch all the way through. Um, but if you guys found this helpful, make sure you like it, you share it, you comment, that sort of thing. If you do want to suggest anybody, we do take those uh, suggestions into hand as we kind of do these sermon reviews. You can put their name in the description below. You can email us. You can send us a DM over on Instagram. However you want to do it, get that to us, and we will add that person to the list. Again, if you want to support what we do, make sure you check out the link in the description below uh, as far as buying our resources, become a patron, whatever you want to do there. Um, so yeah, sort of an odd review this week, but go watch this whole thing. I'm going to go finish it by myself. Go watch this, uh, this, this talk by Chad Bird on sanctification and the matter of proximity. I think you are going to be blessed by it. I'm confident that it's going to, it's going to help you, uh, understand sanctification more guys. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> See you next week.